Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 312. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us. This time around, you are hanging out with an absolutely wonderful actor whose multi-award winning performances and choices are constantly evocative and compelling, Numi Rapace. The time of release, her new film, You Won't Be Alone, is in theaters now. This movie is a dark elegy wrapped through beautifully composed themes of witchcraft, love, and life that is introspective, unsettling, and gloriously unique. We get into Numi's experience in bringing it to life, the music of her decisions on screen, and her yearning to continuously challenge herself through diverse and impactful roles. And in doing so, brings us, the audience, along with her on that journey. She is such a pleasure to listen to, and we sincerely hope you enjoy being part of this conversation with us and seeing this awesome film. And please, feel free to let us know what you think of the movie through our DMs, on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever you can find us. We would honestly love to hear from you. Fall under the spell of episode 312 with Numi Rapace, now playing. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is one of the most exciting storytellers in film. Her performances are consistently lush and hypnotizing. She made her TV debut on a long-running Swedish soap series when she was only 18. When she was only 18. And took up residency and studies on the theater stages of Stockholm. She was cast into pop culture history, bringing to life Lizbeth Salander in the original The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Millennium series, winning her several awards, including an international Emmy nomination. Then it was off to the films of Guy Ritchie, Ridley Scott, Brian De Palma. And she brings you into each and every one of those worlds with a fearless commitment to character and all of their imperfections that make the audience fall blissfully inside of them. With a fascinating and eclectic vision for her career, each role more challenging and evocative than the last it is thrilling to watch unfold and it is the reason she has sparked the imagination and curiosity of the world being celebrated with over 14 awards most recently best actress for the sitka stunner lamb released this past year her new film follows a young girl who is kidnapped and transformed into a witch by an ancient spirit and it's about so much more than that we are honored to welcome one of its stars of you won't be alone in theaters april 1st the incredible numi rapace <laughs> wow oh my god what a beautiful introduction thank you for having me well thank you and what a beautiful film and another unforgettable yes. performance so right off yeah. the bat what made you fall in love with this story oh wow um i mean it's just been a such a unique and and kind of uh, you know very very rare perspective on life and identity and who we are and how to find yourself and to be um a freak <laughs> you know when you feel like oh, you know what something is wrong here you know i don't really fit in but i don't know what it is but i'm trying 
<laughs> and you have this opportunity to play this character of Basilka, and it's a life inhabited by Nevena, and you imbue her with so much wonder and discovery. Can you talk a bit about the journey of taking yourself to that performance and the joys as an actor of showing us that innocence she has as it fades away? I, I totally went back to, um, you know, my early days on stage because I, I tried to find like, you know, a body language. There's like a newborn, someone who's like almost like a toddler, you know, doing things, tasting things, smelling things, touching things for the first time and and discovering the world. And that was just so liberating. And, uh, you know, funny story, like I came, I was shooting this movie, uh, The Trip in Norway and I rapped. It was like a crazy shoot. And, you know, jumped on a flight, flew to like um, Serbia, lands in some remote city you know, five hour drive up on a mountain meets the director. We have dinner. It's night before we're going to start shooting. And he's like, so what do you, how do you feel about the nudity? And I was like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, well, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of naked. I was like, yeah, it's like, what? Like the chest. <laughs> and he was like, nah. <laughs> and then like, basically I called my, my makeup artist was in the hotel and my assistant. And I texted, I was like, uh, ladies, have you like, did you realize that I was going to be naked? And my makeup was like, what? No. So she says, uh, basically she started making a murky, which is uh, like a, a wig for, you know, a vagina wig. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first, I was like, okay, okay. Just like wrap your head around this. You're going to be naked tomorrow and kind of be a newborn walking around like, you know, butt naked with like pigs and chickens and dogs and cats. And, uh, and I just had to embrace it all and, you know, let go of control and vanity and, and just jump in. <laughs> it was so beautifully done though. What were the challenges of bringing a character to life with the absence of sound or voice? Really? What were things that you did for yourself to bring us in? You know, it's kind of remarkable when you when you don't speak, you start to open up for all the other sounds around you. And I really felt like I was like I was communicating with the animals, just like listening to them and uh, like watching them, how they were walking and how they were breathing. And, you know, I kind of all the small nuances and details that you you wouldn't really pay attention to otherwise. So I just you know, it's kind of I, both with lamb and you won't be alone. I was kind of in a world of animals and I don't speak much. I was like, you know, you kind of adapt into your surroundings and you realize that language is way more than just words. Oh, is that ever interesting? And in contrast, we're curious if did sound or music play any part in your preparation outside of this? Yeah, I did. Um, I was listening to a lot of classical music. I do. I do. I always make playlists for every character I do. Um, and I share them with the director sometimes and sometimes we do like collaborative ones and you can add songs. So I always create like a sound kind of um, a, a world around me. And sometimes it's songs that the character will listen to. And sometimes it's what I like and what inspires me at the moment. And sometimes when it's the character's playlist, you know, she can, she can have terrible taste. You know, sometimes it's really, really bad music there. <laughs> and I need to tell everyone, it's like, this is not me. This is the character, you know. Um, but, but for Bazilka, um, it was very classical. I went in, I was listening to Mahler and, and Beethoven. And um, um, I was kind of in, in a very, and I was listening a lot to Nick Cave and, and his kind of, he had done a lot of um, scores but it was a very, it was kind of dark and, and free and quite um, imaginary, um, the, the music world that was surrounding me. The lines are so poetic in this film mm. and there was poetry in the performances as well. What role did improvisation have throughout the production? <laughs> 
I mean, you know what? It's I don't speak. So it's just it's a voiceover. And, and Goran has written everything is written, you know, but uh, but I improvised most of the things. I mean, we just we are working at the, the, the camera. Our DOP, Matthew Shrung, is just incredible, like one of the best I've ever worked with. And he it was like this dance. He just followed me and I never really knew he was so close to me, but I never felt him. It was like we were one body. And a lot of the things I did was improvised. So Goran has written the script that is very precise when it comes to certain things. But he also allowed us to really explore and and just kind of live in his universe. Mm, interesting. Yeah, a lot of the poetry that is throughout the narration is really wrapped into all the performances somehow as well, which is interesting because it's, you know, a post-production thing at the end when when that narration and everything gets mm. added. Was Gorin doing things to guide you in that direction while filming? Did you have a preconception of what the final product was going to be and his his vision? Did he explain that to you along the way? Oh, yeah, we did speak a lot. And obviously, I mean... All the actors in this, it's it, I'm surrounded by an amazing group of actors that are just so beautiful. And when I saw the, the film, it was just breathtaking to see. I couldn't, I felt like all the bodies were connected. It felt like we were one body. And that that is Goram. You know, somehow he guided us into, we never, we didn't rehearse. We didn't have time. I was in another shoot. I came in, I did my part and then I left. So it was all this like little chapters. And, and I think he just had this amazing ability to, to navigate you without you really feeling that you're being kind of directed. Um, he's, he, he, we became really good friends and he's just an incredible person. And so um, he has so much like understanding and love for, for, for us, for the, for the humans, for, for, for life sort of. So I think he, what he, what he really does is to release you and give you freedom and he sees you and he just allows you to be all the, nuances and colors that it is to be a human and that's not always nice you know we have dark shit too (laughs) through that narration and what you're talking about and through this vision we see and we feel goran's words a few of them actually kind of repeat as a chorus throughout the movie and one of those is and yet and yet over Mm. and over Mm. what does and yet and yet mean to you when it comes to the message of this film wow I mean, maybe it is. And yet we do overcome. I mean, I would say that life is hard and she goes through a lot of all these terrible things happens to her during her education in life. So her her kind of walk through life in different situations and still and yet she finds life really beautiful and exciting. You, 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 I think it's something, you know, we uh, we humans, we do stand up. We we pick the pieces together. We somehow heal. You know, we just keep on going. And you know, it's something that my Icelandic grandmother said to me once, like, and it means like, it's going to be okay. You know, it's, I think it's a little bit of that, you know, and yet we keep on moving. We keep on discovering. We keep on breathing, you know, let the oxygen in. Mm, I love that. The Boo Crew will be right back. My heart, my blood, my body, I give to you, Satan. <gasps> Now, the shocking truth about witchcraft, as it exists in our cities and suburbs, is exposed in Witchcraft 70. Hidden cameras probe today's unspeakable cults to document the rites and the rituals when and where they happened. Witchcraft 70. Now see actual human sacrifice on the altar of Bael. Witness the weird rites of the cult of Kali. See the sensual ecstasies of the hippie families. Watch as the Church of Satan celebrates its infamous Black Mass. Witchcraft 70. 
You will see macabre orgies of a secret sect of evil and hear the erotic prayers of our so-called civilized world and much, much more in explicit color and detail. See Witchcraft 70. It is rated X. <gasps> Yeah, the folktale that we see and hear with the children in the third act of the film, was that uh, based on a real-life Macedonian tale? Uh, you have to ask Goran on that. Like, he's quite, like, he's been a bit mysterious when we <laughs> ask what's, where, where things come from. But I think it's a mix of, you know, he, he kind of picked up on things when he lived there as a child and, and he moved as a 12-year-old to Australia. Um, but I think it's a mix of fantasy and things he kind of picked up on and seen and and experience and you know i don't i you have to ask him as far as the vision for this film and its original and unique approach to witch lore we love the beauty and how grotesque it is and the method the witches mm -hmm. inhabit uh, each other's bodies, for example. It's so intimate mm -hmm. and disgusting. And there's a moment <laughs> yeah. where a character like spits blood on the other. It's very visceral. To you, yeah. how does the lens of horror empower this film? I mean, we have endless freedom in, in, the, in, that, in that genre, in that category. And it's like... It's a certain beauty to it. And, you know, my first day on set, I was rolling around in dirt and blood. And it was just like we used the blood to stick kind of to cover certain body parts. And I was like butt naked. And like this, it was so gross and so raw. And it was like a, a birth. You know, I just felt like I was born that day. <laughs> and, and, and the brutality that comes with a birth, you know, the life and death is like balancing on the same, same kind of knife edge. It's, I just, I kind of love that because it's, it's all the brutality and the beauty on one spoon. Mm. You have an executive producer credit on this film. What sorts of things did that entail as far as your involvement in the bigger picture? Just embracing the project. And when we were, um, I was in, like talking to Goran a lot about other actors and, you know, when he was casting it, I was texting a few other actors and like, you know, kind of building uh, being part of the um, the embracing the project um, on this one. And, um, you know, I, I feel like some I've been producer on, on a lot of different things now. And sometimes you're more active and sometimes it's you're kind of coming in with a lost push in the end. And and this one I, I came in, you know, when the when the project was pretty, you know, it was almost a full body about that and about your support of stories like these. Why are stories like these important to tell? Because uh, they carry some bravery. Um, I love to work with um, first-time directors like Valdemar or, or, or Gordon. They have this very, uh, I'm not afraid of like trying and, and, and jumping off the cliff and see where we land and like hopefully we will kind of, you know, develop wings <laughs> and not crash on our legs, you know. Um, but um, um, I, I just think there's something so vibrant and so explosive about someone that wants so much and, and they are brilliant. And I'm, uh, I trust when I, I think I have this kind of um, pretty good at seeing people's talent and like, and, and, and sincerity and, and, and determination and talent, like what makes them like the uniqueness in people before they are like kind of established and known. I don't need other people to say, Oh, he won this and this many awards. So he've done this and this many, um, features before this one i you know for me it's like i can see that in a meeting with people it's like you know i know you're gonna explode and become you know huge 
And this is your first step in that direction. And I want to come in and embrace that. Mm, well done, because this film definitely is quite the launching pad for Gorn and everyone involved. It is really, really something else. And this movie also has some serious horror pedigree being produced alongside the team that was involved with uh, Jennifer Kent's The Babadook as well. Are you a horror film fan yourself? Do you go in and seek out the horror films to watch? I do. I like the ones that have like a psychological kind of resonance and credibility and like it has a, some kind of realness that it could kind of happen somehow. I loved Raw. I remember when I saw Raw um, and I was just like, I watched it down in my, um, in my living room and I was like, I couldn't really move. I was like mesmerized and, and, and obsessed and destroyed at the same time. Do you remember the first horror film you saw? Oh, wow. God, no, I don't know. I was so, I was so scared of the dark <laughs> for very long. Like people thought it was cool and like, oh, she's so tough. But I was terrified. So I was probably way too old when I saw the first. And it was quite like, you know, I kind of oh, I looked away a lot. I was like, it was years when I just didn't want to be in the dark and I didn't want to see scary things. And now I'm getting like, you know, I'm toughing up and now I, I really enjoy it. <laughs> I get that. I get that. So moving forward, what else uh, what else is in the kettle? What else is coming down the pike from you? I'm going in tomorrow to do ADR for this show I did called Django that I'm very excited about. It's it's um it's Mattia Schonard, uh, Nicholas Pinnock. It's an amazing cast and I'm just deeply obsessed uh, with my character elizabeth um she's 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 like the most beautiful villain totally crazy and and violent as fuck <laughs> but um um so i'm do so that one is coming out i'm just doing some post-production on that one and prepping um i think they will announce soon i'm prepping a project and i start shooting in june so it's a lot of um kind of physical preparation for that one Oh, that is so fun. Is there is there a guiding force behind, would you say, the kind of roles that you choose? Do you just follow the current of the ocean, so to speak? Or, or, or is there something in particular that you look for in each project? Uh, I, I try to not repeat myself and I try to challenge myself. And, and um, actually, Rob Patterson said to me at some point, you know, if you if you read something and feel like, oh, I know how to do this, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> and if you read something and it's like, oh no, this is scary, then you should probably do it. <laughs> and I try to like, you know, and I, and I try to, to kind of uh, walk roads I hadn't been, been at before, you know, have a roadmap and then kind of go off, you know, off trail and off, off road a bit. And, you know, uh, it's kind of allow myself to take risks and, 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 you know, I don't think in like kind of um, relying on old victories and it's like, oh, yeah, I know this character. I can do that again. So kind of I, tr I always try to kind of look for something new and and um, and embrace what comes to me. I'm not really strategic about, like, oh, now I should do a romantic comedy because no one has seen me being cute and funny. You know, so it's not like I try to, I, you know, everything. My, my team knows what I'm looking for, kind of sort of. And then they send stuff that is coming in that that is kind of pointing in that direction. And, and then, you know, it's uh, but I, I need to fall in love every time I can never do anything because it's smart or good money or whatever. I need to kind of feel 
have something I really connect with. Mm, and and thank you for that. As uh, fans of your work, that's an experience that we get to share in as well, because you are taking us and challenging us along the way and all these different choices that you make. And we get to explore mm. outside of our own comfort zone, too. And thank you so much for that, because it's very enriching as an audience member. Oh, thank you. Uh, I just had this movie coming out called uh, Black Crab. that came out like, um, I think, like the 18th on Netflix. And and um, and um, it was like one of the hardest things I've ever done because it was like insanely intensely, you know, we shot it up on the ice. I was like, I'm a soldier on ice. And it, it was very, a very, very hard shoot. And then, you know, I kind of said to myself, I never want to shoot in the cold again. <laughs> so sometimes I like, you know, I come out and I was like, I was injured on that one. I broke my nose on that one, you know. I was so I was so destroyed and I was like, never cold again. <laughs> so maybe, you know, I, I do. I have like those things that I was like, OK, I'm not going to go back to that. When I shot like close in, I was shooting this uh, bodyguard film in, in, in Morocco <clears throat> and I was like outside of Casablanca in this wig and doing a, a fight scene in the desert. And I was like, oh, no, no, never in the desert again. Not in in a combat like outfit and a wig. And like, you know, <laughs> so I tried to, to to walk new roads. You've been in such incredible films. Have you kept anything from your productions, whether it's costuming or props, any mementos? No, I'm not really. A, um, I don't I'm not sentimental or like um, nostalgic. I, I kind of let go of things. I leave things behind or I give it away. All my awards I've been give I give them away. I was like, I got an, I won an award somewhere and I went to a pub and I had a beer and someone was like, Oh, that's nice. I was like, do you want it? <laughs> so I'm very like, <laughs> <laughs> Someone's walking around with like the new me. Catalonia yeah. award. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it does happen. Yeah. Oh, all right. Newbie. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time and thank you for, you won't be alone and for a continued vast legacy of impactful stories and characters. And for the viewer again, you were very much the looking glass that is so eloquently spoken spoken of in the words of this film and we appreciate it so much thank you for having me <laughs> it was fun you got it you have such a good energy all three of you so thanks oh, yeah. appreciate that thank, thank you. you thank you Numi. likewise that was the boo crew podcast episode 312 special thanks to our guest numi rapace Follow her at Numi Rapace on Instagram. The time of release, you can see her new film, You Won't Be Alone, in theaters now. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's Trev for the Boo Crew saying, Sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy or disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.